Hello and welcome to Touchline from Kasper Els and Mark Cameron. Hello, Mark. Hi, Kas. Nice being back. Definitely is. Starting with Varsity Cup rugby or Varsity Shield. Rounds 5, 6, 7 and 8 was played this week. Round 5, DUT 6, TUT 61, CPUT 53, UKZN 12, Rhodes 10, WSU 63. Couple of high scores here, Mark. Oh, no, definitely. Um, if we could start with the DUT, TUT game. You know, if you was still a high score, I agree with you, 61-6. But if you look at the results that have been put against DUT from the beginning, um, obviously that's the, it's their maiden uh, um, season in Varsity yes. Shield. Um, that in itself shows a slight improvement. Um, and, and hopefully, you know, they would take quite a bit out of that. The sad part is they are probably in such a space that a lot of the confidence is lacking and so on and so forth. I did hear at one stage that uh, they had a change in coaching staff and so forth, um, which is also probably part of the issue. But just from a from a decreasing score against you alone, it obviously looks like a positive for them, you know. So um, then you look at uh, CPUT against UKZN. Um, not too good for UKZN from a from a Durban-based point of view, and uh, our, our dear friend Donald Nguyenia would obviously not have been happy with that. But it is what it is, and sometimes, sometimes this makes you uh, look at things slightly different. You know, I'm not talking about the margin and that; it's the way you lose sometimes, and yes. and possibly what has happened in that. And then Walter Sisulu University, we know they're a, they're a very good outfit, and um, I wouldn't say it's no surprise. Um, but one would have expected them to beat Rhodes. I don't think Rhodes has been on par this year in the Shield itself. Um, obviously, we're talking about round five now. Yes. And then when you go into into round six, there themselves was quite a quite a huge scores with the University of Forte beating DUT seventy five yet again. The first few rounds in the Varsity Shield where DUT was playing, they had hundred and something scores against yes, them week in and week out. So massive scores, you know. So and in University of Fort Air, and years gone by, when when I coached there, they they were a difficult opponent, you know. So they run from all over the show. They they have good attacking play. So seventy five nil is a is a hiding, if one can call it that. But from the DUT to to come back or down from the big scores that they got prior to that to there, I think is, is well done. And, and just depending on what they're doing and how they're going to go forward. Um, you know, then you go down and you look at TUT that played against Rhodes. Yet again, Rhodes is, is battling a little bit. Um, TUT put uh, 60... 64-6. 64, and the previous round they had 61-6. Uh, so that's consistent. Um, you know, so... And then yet again... Walter Sisulu and CPUT, I think that could be quite a surprise because CUPT was was right at the at well, the they're top, still on top, huh? you know. So I think, and if you look at that score line, um, I think that's the biggest yeah. surprise, you know. That, so, that is a big surprise. Yeah. So but I and, see they 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 sitting um, Walter Sisulu University and CPUT are both on twenty five points on the log. Yeah, and and 
sadly so for CPUT because I mean they've been they've been right at the top from from inception um, of this year's tournament and and sad to them. But I mean it also yet again um, it brings them down to earth slightly and to say right we need to pull up our socks if we we can win this thing obviously and we can go through to the finals um, and they need to produce the goods. So but well done to Walter Susulu. Yes. Then. Round 7, TUT 64, Walter Sisulu University 8, UKZN 40, um, University of Fort Air 33, UT 3, Rose 46. Yeah, so don't you just love rugby? You know, we just spoke about Walter Sisulu beating CPUT, top of the log. Yes. By, by a decent margin, 39-5, and yeah, they go and lose. Yeah, then third place on the lock comes and Correct. gives them a proper and, and hiding. Proper hiding, you know, so yeah. that's rugby. So if you're on on the day, you do well. If you're off your game, you might get a hiding, you know, so, um, or lose the game where you expected to win. So, um, but yeah, that's typical rugby and, and, and good for the competition to keep everyone on par. And as we said now, CPUT and Walter Sassouli University are are. We'll speak about the log just now, but uh, top two. And then you look at TUT all of a sudden that are within range of, of the top two as well. Yes. Um, and then just back to Donald and Gwenya and his UK's at end side. Nice, uh, nice win for them against University of Fort Air. Um, tough game, obviously, if you look at the results and that. And, and I, I did manage to watch, uh, watch that specific game, and it was a ding-dong battle. Um, but one, luckily, that the UK Zenin-based or the Durban-based outfit could could put off. Yes, then round eight, one single game, CPUT 30 and Walter Susulu 26. Yet again, Walter Susulu University have, have been playing quite well um, all around and, you know, currently lying second on the log and CPTU, CPUT obviously beating them. Um, in that specific round, and, and maybe that's quite fitting because CPUT are top of the log and Walter Susulu yeah, second now, you know, and it's just a matter of points difference, hence the fact that they're like that. So, um, you know, if it does happen that they manage to go through, I think it's going to be a humdinger because we're getting to the to the latter part of this competition now. So points points and the winning, winning is, is vital going forward. But if you look at the th first three places on the log now, uh, CPUT with 25 points, uh, Walter Susulu University 25 points, TUT 23 points. I mean, mm. it's two points in it there. Mm. Um, if the top two loses a game each and, and TUT wins, then they yeah. top of the log. UKZN, um, Donald and East Troops at 17, um, University of Fort Hare with 13 points, Rhodes with five points, and then poor DUT zero. They haven't got a point on the board yet. Yeah, no, I think DUT found it difficult in their first year of, of Varsity Shield. Uh, obviously, we don't know as to why, what happened and so forth, but I mean, it's a, it is a tough competition, a lovely competition to be part of, but a tough competition. If you're not on the button, then something like that will happen. Um, you know, if I look at the UKZN outfit now, uh, we need to hope that some teams pop up and and. and surprise the other side and that to, to favour us maybe to, to have a shot at going through. But I think it's getting further and further from them reaching playoffs. Um, 
But yeah, if you look at Walter Sisulu and CPUT, I think those are the top two teams that have been performing all along. PUT has made a massive comeback and, yeah. and being third on the log and, and good for the Pretoria Bay side. So uh, yeah, let's see how the next uh, few games go and good luck to everyone. Definitely. And Donald, make us proud. No pressure, Donald. No pressure, <laughs> Donald. Make us proud. Then moving on to the Rainbow Cup. The second round of games were played. The Bulls facing up to the Stormers in Cape Town. And the Bulls winning that game 2016. And then the Sharks playing the Lions in Durban. And the Sharks beating the Lions 34-26. Yeah, we said in the past that uh, obviously the Bulls and the Stormers or north-south derby. Yes. Um, it's regardless of where they play, it's always a tough encounter, which obviously it showed. Um, you know, if you look at the scoreline, it obviously was a was a tight affair. Um, it wasn't a runaway one runaway victory, and then there was no bonus point involved. Um, but that's typical derbies in South African derbies, you know. So, um, and for the Bulls yet again, I mean, if you look at the Bulls side that is playing now compared to the Curry Cup and all of that, um, there's so many youngsters coming through, so many, so many different players in positions and that, and it speaks volume to Jake White and and what he's doing at the Bulls, trying to fix it, and to go to the Stormers and and I know the Sharks did it a few weeks ago where we went there and we we beat them as well, and the Stormers have actually. Um, started playing a lot better the, the way we saw them prior to the, the Rainbow Cup. Um, and they did well. So it sets it up yet again for a good end to the competition, although we're midway through. Um, and it speaks volumes for the Bulls, you know. So when you go to the Sharks yet again, and I think the Lions have been our nemesis side for, for many years. They have been, especially um, down here. Yes, and, and for Sean Everett and, the, and his troops to pull that one off, also very close game, obviously. Um, but yeah, we can't complain. We got a bonus point out of it. So um, haven't lost a game and two bonus points and two, two outings. So we'll definitely take that one. Now... John John Dobson out losing two games on the trot down in Cape Town. You think he needs to be worried about this? Yeah, I think I think it depends on on you know where he sees things. I think the competition changed slightly with us not taking part in the in the proper yes. uh, Rainbow Cup. This is obviously Rainbow South Africa, South Africa now. Yeah. Um, so I think I think there's probably less pressure in that sense. Having said that, though, from a employee point of view, um, you are employed to produce the goods and things haven't gone his way um, in the Curry Cup and Super Rugby and, and now in the in the Rainbow Cup. So I think there are question marks. I think there's a lot of uncertainty within their ranks as well because there's a few players that are looking at going overseas and a few that are apparently joining us. Um, I think Peter Steff, the toy for argument's sake, is also finishing up now. He's going yes. to, to Japan. Um, so there's lots of uncertainty and with regards to what's happening in the boardroom and so on and so forth. So he himself was also linked to an overseas club um, franchise to go and coach overseas. I don't know. I think he's declined it or whatever, but he, there was rumors that he's linked to go. And, and maybe that's the option that he'll take going forward if, 
things don't go his way because obviously the coaches get get um, looked at as to performance and that, but a lot of times you don't have the resources available to you to, pr to produce the goods. And, you know, he's been part of the Stormers in the Western Province for years now, and he took over um, as per normal. There was slight change, and but, you know, if you really think about it, the Western Province or the Stormers are of old, we're a long way from that. So um, there's a lot of pressure with anything if you lose week in and week out. So people start doubting. As a coach, you might start doubting yourself. But they are, they are a good outfit, so they won't lie down. And then the Lions losing their two games as well, but both of them away games. Did you, do you think the Lions coach, Van Royen, has got anything to worry about? Look, I think the the setup there is slightly different. Um, when I say that, they're also a proud union. Um, obviously, the sponsors want to see results. Um, with them, I think they are a union that is busy rebuilding. There's a lot of young players that have come through there, some quality players. Um, you know, when we sh spoke to Sean Erasmus a few weeks ago, we spoke about the vibe that is there and, and what they do and so on and so forth. So... Um, you know, unfortunately for them, um, even in the Curry Cup, I think it was the Curry Cup or Super Rugby, I'm not sure, they started very poorly and all of a sudden they started yes. climbing the ladder. You know, you have a guy like Elton Yankees that's not there now, that has gone yes. overseas as a, as a medical joker. So you take, in a young side like that, you take all your senior players out or some senior players out and obviously there's a your battle slightly, although they've got some seasoned campaigners like the Yanni Duplessis and so forth. Oh, but Zeilinger is there. No, starting in there. I mean, no, he's, a, he's a seasoned player. You know, so, but in general, they've got a very young, yes. and, I, and I don't know, obviously we're not part of it, but um, their depth, well, I don't think there's any, possibly the, the Sharks maybe, but I don't think there's any union that's got the depth that the Bulls have got at the moment because, you know, they've got the financial backing and, and Jake White is putting certain structures in place and so forth. Um, but from a Lions point of view, I think, you know, in, in, in the very near future, they'll be there and thereabout because, I mean, they haven't been bad at all. They've, they've lost um, some close games and that. They've played some wonderful rugby. Um, it's just a matter of time and for everyone to gel and whatever the structures is that they want to try and get into place or whatever the issues are, they've got some astute coaches there too. So I'm sure they'll turn the corner soon. It just seems like the Lions can't finish. We spoke about it last week as well. They they battled to finish it. Uh, look, a lot of it is, is, you know, you can go club rugby, you can go provincial rugby, you can go international rugby. If you if you lose, then you start questioning yourself. You know, a winning side, let's look at the All Blacks. The All Blacks can be 20 points down with 15 minutes to go. They'll back themselves to win that game because they've been there before. They know how to win. If you if you don't win often and you don't know how to win or how to close a game, then it makes things difficult. You know, especially when you're a young, a young side um, with not much experience at that specific level, then it's different. And I think possibly what could also be the problem is a lot of these players are playing for international call-up. Yes. They all want to play against the Lions when the Lions come here. So it could be added, uh, add a little bit of added pressure or certain things like that. But... Yeah, I don't think there's too much to read into it. Obviously, you want to win. Um, but they haven't been losing badly or playing badly. Or, you know, they, they they might not, like all the others, they might not play a full 80-minute game, and that's part of where the problem is. But the coaching 
the coaching staff will sort that out and say, right, traditionally, maybe in the third quarter, this is where we're battling, so certain things have to happen there, but they'll be back. Talking about the, the Lions tour, um, I see Georgia is going to come tour here in South Africa for the first time ever. We're going to play them here in South Africa on South African soil. Um, and Rassi Erasmus apparently is very happy about it and he says it's probably the best preparation that the Springboks can have. Well, I, I tend to agree. And, and the reason for that is their physicality that they bring to it. They are, there are some big units there and many of their players play in Europe. Um, but they are a physical side. Um, that is a, obviously a team that we should beat and we should beat them comfortably. And I say that with respect to them because if you look at the tiers, they're obviously not in your top tier nation. Um, so from a South African point of view, beating them would be great. Um, because that's what is expected. But the, with them bringing the physicality and different structures, the same as when we went and played in the World Cup, we chose to play against Japan prior to the World Cup for certain reasons. Um, and I think Rassi, Rassi, obviously, and Jacques Ninaber and through SA Rugby um, identified certain certain countries to play against. And, and this is the specific one who put their hands up. So... Uh, I don't think it's going to be a walk in the park, especially from our point of view, because obviously in those games you need to fine-tune for, for the line series. But from a physical point of view, I think it's great. And, and I know with technology and that, we'll know exactly what is going to happen, but we've never played against them. They they obviously are a, a, a nation that, that will back themselves as well, and they are the first ones now to play against the world champions. So they would definitely want to come here and try and upset the apple cart. I'm sure they're going to try and come and upset the apple cart. Those games will be played in July, the weekend of the 2nd and 3rd of July, the first test, and that will be Jock Ninaba's first test as yep. the head coach. Definitely. And then the second test one week later on the, the weekend of the 9th, 10th of July. So let's let's hope the Georgia brings their, their best game and... The Springboks can actually outperform them properly. Yeah, look, I don't, you know, I don't foresee a problem in the sense of of winning. And and you know, sounds arrogant now, but maybe you should put a margin to it as to what would be successful or not against them. But I think there's more to it than that. From a coaching point of view, you need to make sure that your structures are kept. Um, you need to try and finalise your combinations, so on, because we only have those two days to prepare ourselves before the Lions arrive in South Africa. Um, and, and it's going to be vital for us. You know, obviously there's a lot of boardroom work that will that will be part of this and, and on-field training sessions and so on and so forth. Um, but that would be it. And, and there's no better way to do it than to hit the field playing against someone. But I'm sure, I'm sure that those two tests might not be enough, having said that, but I think it would be a good, starting point for us and then obviously to, to try and take it following through to the international series. Well, I mean, gauging the box against Georgia will definitely give them a, a good idea of where we are and what we need to fix and where we need to go. Uh, no, definitely. And as I said, the physicality part, I mean, some of those Georgians are, are big boys um, and they will do, and that's what we want. South Africa like the, like the physical stuff um, and we'll front up against these guys, but 
yeah, there's more to it than just that. Definitely more to it than that. And then after those tests, we go straight into the the Lions test. And now the Lions squad that's been announced, a um, couple of surprises, for me, a couple of surprises. I think the, the least of the surprises is um, the captain, the 35-year-old Welsh captain, captaining the, the Lions now. And he's quite proud. Yes, um, Alan Wynne Jones is, is an astute captain. I mean, obviously, he's the Welsh captain. Um, he's been playing for Donkey's years. Uh, 148 tests. Yeah, he's he's. I think he's either broken or equaled Richie McCaw from New Zealand's uh, record that he had. So I think, speak under correction, I think he had about 146 or 147 test caps. But if if nothing, he would have equalised it. Um, and for him to continue playing at 35 at this level. It's phenomenal in any case, let alone still to, to have that responsibility to bring the Lions to South Africa to play the world champions. And, uh, you know, he's like a, a old bottle of wine that just matures as he, as he continues. Better and better. What I think is important is for the players that rally around him because he's actually highly rated as a leader, so which is great for him. Well, he's got to be, if you look at the footsteps that he needs to follow in, you know, Willie John McBride. Billy Beaumont, mm. Martin Johnson, and then the recent one, Paul O'Connell. Yeah, no, definitely, and uh, I mean they've they've all been great players in the past and and great leaders. And you know, if you just look from a Wales setup, he's a great leader and he's in his own right there as well in his country. You know, so good luck to him um, and to the Lions when they when they arrive to South Africa. Then just looking at a couple of surprises in the in the selection. I mean, we spoke about. Um, some of the South Africans, and there's only one South African included in Duan van Amerwe. Yeah, look, he deserves it. I think, uh, you know, there's another youngster in there that you'll allude to a little bit later on um, from Wales that has taken the world by storm. Um, you know, they're in similar similar mould. But uh, from a South African point of view, it's nice to, to see a guy like, like him make the side and, and tour to his own country and, and come and play here. Yeah? Sad, though, that he's wearing a different jersey. But uh, we wish him well. Hopefully he doesn't score against us, but we wish him well. Yeah, definitely. Um, but there's a couple of other South Africans that we thought might be in the squad that never made it. Yeah, I agree. And, and you know, um, maybe it counted against him that he retired prior to this. We were referring to CJ Stunder. Um, I think he is, you know, from an Irish point of view, he's uh, treated like a god in Ireland um, from a rugby perspective. Um, and I think he would have done well. It would have been his second, I think it would have been his second line, lines tour. But it's as sad as it is, and as I said, maybe because he retired from rugby, um, it counted against him. But I would have thought that he would have been part of the mix at least. Yeah, and then the mix is also young and old. Um, one that surprised me was Owen Farrell. Um, I really didn't think that he would make the squad. Uh, look, I, th I don't, I wouldn't say that I didn't think he would make it. Wouldn't make it. Put it that way. Um, I think he would have. And and proof is in the pudding whether he'll be in the starting lineup or not, or the match day twenty three at least. Um, or I then think, whether he's going to play ten or twelve. Yeah, I think he'd probably, probably slot in at twelve more than anything else. Um, well, that's my take on it. 
Um, but I think, and the reason why I'm saying proof is in the pudding, I think part of what is the, the setup that Warren Gatlin had here is the fact that um, Owen Farrell is, is one of the senior campaigners um, to come on tour like this. I think it would also be his second, his second stint. Um, but yeah, I don't. I think he was selected as a, as a ten, but um, I don't think he'll end up there. Similar to similar to England, they use him as a twelve more often than not, which is a great idea because both your decision makers would be a ten and twelve then. So he's quite quite um, adept at at twelve because he defends quite well and he's got a good kicking game and that. So um, yeah, it would be great. Hopefully, hopefully he doesn't play against us. Yeah, um, the other fly-offs is Dan Bigger and then Finn Russell that were included as fly-offs in the mm. squad. Mm. Now, you as a coach, which one would you put in your, to put you on the spot here? Which one would you start with? I would, my, my take on it, I would go for Dan Bigger. I think he's currently playing brilliant rugby and is probably one of the leading tens in Europe. Um, and then possibly um, there's other good 12s that are coming on tour as well. And then, as I said, possibly put um, Owen Farrell on his outside. But I would go for Dan Bigger at the moment. Now, we spoke about some of the, the old campaigners. A youngster that I was very glad to see in the side was Louis Ries Zammert. That guy, youngster, had an absolute brilliant Six Nations. Yeah, look, at he's a young, up-and-coming youngster as well. I mean, he's a big unit himself for a youngster. Um, one good thing about him is... Not that you should be, but I mean, from a from a young, if I can say, boy point of view, because that's how young he still is. Um, he doesn't mind mixing it up, and he defends well, and he runs well, and he's got pace, and he's got physicality that he brings to the field. And between him and Duan van der Merwe, I think they are the probably the two form uh, wings in in Europe at the moment. Yes, and they both deserve it. And I'm so happy for him as a youngster. You know, if he if he stays fit and he keeps his focus on where he can at least have two or three more lines tours under his belt when he before he retires. I'm sure he will have. Then between the, the forwards, not really any major surprise except for the exclusion of a, a CJ Steiner, maybe one or two others. But then I must say that uh, Warren Gatlin said that this is probably the 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 most difficult team selection that he's ever had to go through in his life and that the stress levels were actually very high in, in putting this team together. No, I can understand that. Look, and, and, and part of it would be the discussion that we had, I think, a few weeks ago was with regards to the England-based players because they had such a shocking Six Nations and so forth um, as to not select many England players. You know, but one guy doesn't make a team. And from Warren Gatlin's point of view, probably as, let's say, it's Owen Farrell now. You look at him as to how he can fill that side from a positive point of view because you know he's a good player. Yes. Um, you know, you can go back to European rugby at club level where Saracens was obviously relegated and whatever. Um, and how they battled at times. You can't, you can't, negatively impact a player or take him out of the bigger picture because he's now in a relegated side. So similar with England. England was probably their worst performance in the Six Nations and I mean they were champions previously. So you can't 
you can't take a good player and say, right, you didn't perform in that specific team, so you're not good enough anymore to make another side. Um, and I think Warren Gatlin probably got the mix right. Um, there's a few from all over. And, uh, you know, I agree with him. So once you sit down, because you can only take so many nines and so many tens and so many sixes and fives and so and whatever your mix is, what you want at the end of the day. Europe have brilliant players. And to put it on the park together is where the headache comes from. And I think he's going to say, like you said, very difficult. But I think he's sitting one side and smiling because he's got some phenomenal players to bring to South Africa. And let me tell you, if he gets the mix right and his match day 23 right, we are going to have to step up to the plate to try and beat these guys because they are going to bring it to us. This is going to be a real test for the world champions. Definitely. Then, bringing it back home, back to a mums and toti, Club Rugby has finally started again and mums and toti Rugby Club had their first outing against Hillcrest this past Saturday. Your feelings on that, Mark? Congratulations, first of all, to, uh, to you and your team for fielding a, a side or two sides in, in the four chakas that you played. And well done to the whole team for setting up this bio bubble and, and controlling the the game on Saturday. Yeah, thanks guys. Um, you know, it was obviously a different different vibe and a, and firstly everyone is quite excited to get back onto the park. Um, but what was different was the fact that we had to go into a bio bubble, so there's no spectators allowed. Um, we had to cordon off the field and get the guys screened and once they're in the bubble they couldn't go out so there was quite a few COVID restrictions that were put at place or in place and obviously we had to follow COVID protocols set by SARU and, and Sharks Rugby Union. I'm happy to say that it was quite a success. From a playing point of view, obviously scrappy, um, you know, Hillcrest brought Two, if we could say that, two good sides to to come and play against us. Um, our side was unstructured as we planned from the beginning, um, with many new guys playing for us for the first time or coming on trial from outside the province. Um, but I think all in all, very a very good and successful day. We've had we had so many people from outside of Toti Rugby Club um, assisting to to make this a possibility, running around outside the field or, or outside of play and um, building up to Saturday to make sure from a screening point of view and from a housing point of view with the guys that were out of the province that came on trial. Um, you know, we had an agent that brought yes. a few players up and exciting players and hopefully we'll tap into to them going forward. Um, but all in all, great. Um, I think there's a massive positive vibe in, in, in Toti at the moment. Thanks to the spectators, or not per se spectators, but the people that were around the field, um, it was different, obviously, and and you know it wasn't a direct result of Toti getting spectators down because they weren't allowed to be there. But our our facilities are just as such that the people that are on the outside are on the outside. There's nothing that we can control. But uh, the positive side was within our bio bubble, the way we set it up within restrictions and regulations and that we got it spot on. Um, going forward, 
next weekend. We will be hosting South Coast Warriors. We're going to go through a similar setup. And then, yeah, at the end of the month, we'll be on the 5th of June, we'll be playing our first league game if, if all goes well. Well, the next game will be on Friday night. On Friday night, that's right. We will be hosting South Coast Warriors and we'll also be playing Chakas against them. And then going forward, what does the the games or the fixtures look like going forward? So the following week, we will be playing Westville Old Boys. I think it's the 22nd of May yes. um, in Westville. And the weekend thereafter, the 29th of May, we'll be hosting Varsity College in Amemson 30. And that's the, the friendly games then done and then we go into the... That's correct. So that would be our last pre-season friendly before we go into the first, first league, league game on the on the 5th of June. And unfortunately now Toti was excluded from the from the flyer tournament, which is only the four uh, Durban-based clubs. Yeah, sadly so, and and it was and it was obviously it came as a bit of a surprise to Toti because we Good. we've always been part of the flyer. Um, I guess what what part of the thought process was and COVID was brought up that the Durban-based play though the Durban-based clubs would obviously participate in that tournament and we're outside of Durban so although we form part of the Durban Rugby Subunion um, luckily it didn't hinder us from trying to get other opposition and, and, and maybe to a degree it worked in our favour because traditionally when you play in the flyer tournament you can only take one side Yes. whereas we now have the opportunity to give more of our players um, time to, to be on the park and to see how it goes so as I said, the first two weeks, the one that just passed where we played against Hillcrest and the one coming against South Coast Warriors, it will just be Chaka formation. And when we go and play Westville Old Boys, we have two squads playing, really. Um, not a first and a second side yet, but two squads, uh, which is going to be difficult because Westville Old Boys had a good run this weekend. Apparently, they beat Varsity College. Um, so and they are first division side, but they are the champions of the first division. So they will definitely give us a, a good outing. And yet again, as I said to to the boys, you know, we are looking at structure. We're looking at um, combinations and and so on and so forth. So the result doesn't really worry me at the moment. But uh, coming closer to the league, when the league starts, you need to when you start getting your your combinations and that right. The win is important, you know. So. This week and uh, this week coming and the week that passed, that wasn't the case. That wasn't what we were looking for. We just want to see who can play and who has good decision-making ability and so on and so forth. So where we are at the moment, I'm comfortable. Just once again, I want to say thank you very much to you and your team for Saturday past and all the best for the weekend coming. Thanks, Gus. And... and and I just want to thank the community as well. There's many people that put their hands up. Uh, look at the guys that we got in from out the province. We had many sponsors coming on board to assist. The community has been great to us. Um, uh, we've been. had outsiders, outsiders coming on board to say, how can they help? Um, we've had people filling sand on the fields to make sure our, our, our field is, is playable and safe for the players. And it's only commendable to all of those that put their hands up. So to all of them, thank you very much. Um, that's really much appreciated. Yes, and then also to the committee and that stood together and, and worked together as a team um, after such a long layoff, um, it was just 
heartwarming to see that everybody just pitched in and, and did it. And it's not only the committee, it's the volunteers, um, the coaches, the, the managers, the players, everybody just pitched in and the general community and, and, and they just made it one big success. Yeah, I think it's something to smile about actually because I think you know up until the last minute, um, I don't think people thought that this is actually it. Yes. And and maybe it caught us caught us a little bit by surprise because in theory we weren't ready. Um, in in practice we had everything planned. That's what we wanted to do. But there were still a few things outstanding. And um, you know, as we said, everyone just pitched. And from a player's point of view, I mean, you battled to get players down. All of a sudden we had players climbing out the closet because they wanted to come play. Um, even at training since then, we've had people saying, yes, coach, I hear things went well. Can we come and train? So it's good. Now that they know there's, there's rugby in again, I mean, I listen to the buzz in the community to say rugby is on. They want to hear what's happening and can't you live stream it and can't you do this because they know they're not allowed to come and watch. Um, it's great. And, and, you know, we're going to do player profiles and people want to see what's happening and who the teams are and how you're performing and, so yeah, we we we're all back to that, and and it's great to see the other clubs participating as well. And you know, as I said, pre-season you can't read too much into it. There were a few surprise results this weekend, um, but from a coaching point of view, I don't read too much into it. People, the spectators might think, sure, that was a surprise or whatever, which is probably is. But like we had, like we had in the Curry Cup, and and that yes. when the but when the, the Sharks, for argument's sake, and the Lions and all the other teams that participated prepared for the for the Rainbow Cup, um, people also said there's a problem. But they're trying certain things and combinations and that. So I think we're all we're all on par, um, but looking forward to the season. Yes, once again, well done, Mark, and all the best for the weekend coming. Thank you, Gus. We hope to do the. Well, firstly, our club and the players and their wives and that proud and more so the community. And having said that, uh, I thank you for another great show and to our listeners and the community out there, have a blessed week. Thank you to all our sponsors for last weekend's game and all the sponsors going forward. We really do appreciate your, your support. And from Touchline... Have a great rugby week from myself, Casper Els and Mark Cameron. Bye-bye.